Oh no. Yeah, that's right. Who knows whether we'll keep that or not. And welcome to Poor Unfortunate Podcast. I'm Connor Perkins. And I'm Caroline A. Meddy. Welcome to any new listeners. It is lovely to have you with us. Please take a moment right now to hit follow or subscribe wherever you're listening to the podcast. That way you can make sure that all of our episodes just download right to your device without you having to worry about it, including any bonus episodes because they're coming up. <laughs> And then if you love what you hear today, make sure that you leave a five-star rating and a review to help other people find the podcast. And then for all of our returning listeners, hey, we love you. <laughs> Caroline, it's it's rough. <laughs> We're in a dark place. So take me out of the dark place. What's new? Okay, let, I'm, I'll start off with some happy things. Let's see. Speaking of happy things. Yes. Happy meals. Oh, my gosh. We're, people, happy meal season is back. Happy Meal season is back with a vengeance. <laughs> yes. Um, if you were following along back in, was that December? Yep. That was December. Around almost December a year ago. December last year. <laughs> November. Yep. Almost a year ago. Time flies. I literally, what is time? We were really going for it with the Disney Parks Happy Meal toys. Um, we assembled a, a full train. We did it. A full train. It's right here above <laughs> my desk. I'm looking at them. Yep, and now McDonald's is coming out with Happy Meal toys for the 50th anniversary of Disney World. And there are so many, there's literally no way we'll be able to get them all. So we're trying to be realistic here. There's 50, <laughs> there's 50 of them. full characters. <laughs> yeah. But hey, I will say, my family and I, we are making some headway. Like in one weekend, I think we got like 12 out of the 50 in <gasps> one weekend. I mean, it was a lot of McDonald's. but like, <laughs> At what point would it need to tip into you being like, okay, now I'm going to go for the full 50? If I were to get 25 before the start of October, it's totally doable. <laughs> All right. So honestly, everyone, stay tuned. If you start seeing us posting about it in the stories, that means things are getting serious. So <laughs> stay tuned. Yeah. I can tell you how many people during the last Happy Meal craze told us that we inspired them to go out and get a Happy Meal, and it really made them feel happy, <laughs> as the name suggests. So I think you should do it. Yeah, definitely do that. And we will be uh, joining along with you. Who do you have so far? I personally have Simba, Frozone, R2-D2, Dante, Goofy. Oh, Dante. Oh. We're making our way through them. Wow. My goal is to end at least with Pua, BB-8. I was going to say I want BB-8. I want BB-8 so bad. Donald Duck and Bruni. Those are the ones that I need. Mm, mm. In order to, like, be happy. I really want BB-8, and I really want Dante, because Dante, I for sometimes Lady reminds me of Dante. Lady is my real dog, not the Disney Oh, yeah, dog. I think we have a Lady and a Tramp. Wait, they have Lady and the Tramp as part of it? Yeah. 
<gasps> F. Okay, I need lady. I need lady. So let it be known. Yeah. Other happy news, the Space 220 restaurant is open in Epcot now. I've been looking at some of the menu preview items. It's very expensive if you want to do the preview, but some of those like cocktails look so cool. They come with like cotton candy in them. One of them has pop rocks. And you take like a really cool space elevator ride down to the restaurant. Up which, to the restaurant, you mean? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> My bad. <laughs> um, if you ever went to Mars 2112 in New York City as a child, <laughs> same kind of thrill. Um, so yeah, that looks fun. The... Ratatouille new area of the Epcot France Pavilion has started previews. It looks very crowded, but it looks amazing. The crepe restaurant is open. The final touches to Spaceship Earth with the new lights Mm -hmm. uh, that are on all of the sort of like points in the geometric, you know, shape of the Mm -hmm. ball, uh, that sort of beacons of light thing that they're doing there. Those are finalized. So they're doing like finishing touches on that. And it looks sick. And all of those haters on Twitter who were like, this is going to ruin it. It is doing nothing but enhancing the stunning beauty Mm -hmm. of Spaceship Earth. I'm 100% here for it. They can suck it because (laughs) this is awesome. Uh, so I'm loving that. <laughs> All the new merch that's come out to match it is so cool. Like those Spaceship Earth ears. Mm, those yeah. are nice. I love those. Yeah, where the I didn't realize the bow, the mini bow, mm. also has fiber optics <gasps> in it and lights up as well. Oh. Yeah. If you're a slut for spectacle, you're also a something for fiber. You're a, a fan of fiber optics. <laughs> you fucks with fiber optics. <laughs> <laughs> you fucks with fiber <laughs> Oh, my gosh. Other Disney news. Disney Plus, they announced some of the stuff that's coming later this fall. So we've got Jungle Cruise that's going to be available for everyone on Disney Plus. But also Shang-Chi and the Ten Rings is going to be on there as soon as, like, when is that? Is that happening in November? It's November. I didn't think it would be that soon. I'm so excited. I know. I didn't either. So that's pretty exciting, that turnaround Mm. that Disney has between their theatrical releases and getting things to Disney Plus. I think that's something really smart and good to look forward to. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, Halloween's coming. We've got we talked about the Muppet Haunted Mansion coming. If any of y'all are working on some Disney Halloween costumes, oh my gosh, we I can't wait to see those. I'm just getting I'm starting to feel the fall feels. Yeah, and we are currently planning for our Sleepy Hollow trip. So we will be returning and doing that again because I know we talked about it last time and it's happening again because we can't make it stop. <laughs> So fun updates happening there, too. Yeah. Just in our personal lives. (laughs) Well, let's get started with the episode, shall we? Mm -hmm. Let's do it. So for this Tips and Tricks episode, we are going to be returning to one of our tried and true Tips and Tricks formats that we have come up with over the last year and a half of being as creative as possible with this (laughs) format we asked what sort of episodes you're interested in hearing coming up and we heard a resounding need for some more playlists Mm. so that's what we're doing we are back reincarnating our playlist episode from 2020 with three all new playlists. So I have a playlist of around 10 songs. Caroline has a playlist of around 10 songs and they each follow a theme. And then we have worked together to build you a fall into spooky season playlist. And this Mm -hmm. one actually, the way it works out, will line up perfectly with our fall Thanksgiving into Christmas holiday season 
playlist from our previous episodes. So oh. you can just glide one right into the next oh, and get yeah. the full seasonal transition. Oh, I love that. Mm. Let's dive into let's dive into our playlist. I'm so excited. This is so fun. Alrighty, so I'm gonna get started and jump right into my playlist. So Ooh. the theme for my playlist is Disney Animation's best main titles. Oh, yay. So what do I mean when I say main titles? These are all songs, instrumental or not, that would play over the main titles or otherwise be played leading into the title card of the film. Mm-hmm. So you'll kind of get the hang of it as we go. And I have spanned this out because I'm me over the entire course of Disney history. And I've put this playlist in chronological yeah. order yep. because that's how <laughs> I do things. And I've also got some little fun facts and history about each of them. Oh, for goody, you. goody. I'm so predictable. <laughs> All right. So our first song in this playlist is the main title for Alice in Wonderland. And this is from Alice in mm. Wonderland in 1951. So it was written by Sammy Fain, and the lyrics are by Bob Hilliard, and it's performed by the Judd Conlon Chorus. Many different songwriters were brought on to create songs for the movie, including Mac David, Al Hoffman, and Jerry Livingston, and they had done songs for Cinderella. Uh, Frank Churchill was brought on for the score at one point, but ultimately the majority of the music was by Fane and Hilliard with the score by Disney legend Oliver Wallace. Oliver Wallace, he was also, you know, responsible for Peter Pan and a bunch mm-hmm. of other classic Disney mm-hmm. scores. Mm-hmm. I also want to note the score of this film by Oliver Wallace was nominated for an Academy Award for the Best Original Score. But it lost to An American in Paris. Mm, so just enough. a little interesting fun fact. But mm. I love this main title sequence. Again, it's that classic Disney sound. And for a movie that I actually don't particularly care that much for, the main titles are something that I actually they're they're some of the best parts of the movie. I was about to say the me. same thing. Yeah. I think it's beautiful. It's very wistful. Alice. And it's and it puts me exactly in the place. I love when I'm in World of Disney in Disney Springs, previously Downtown Disney. And when they used to, I don't know if they still have it because it's been forever since I've been there. But when they had the Alice in the House section and they would have music from Alice in Wonderland sort of playing in that area, I just loved hearing this. And it just gives me so many good memories. So I think that 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 main title sequence is particularly beautiful. And yeah. one that I think a lot of people don't oh, really yeah. think of. A lot of people might go straight to, you know, some of the more traditional mm-hmm, ones mm-hmm. like Cinderella or Cinderella, going yeah. to mm-hmm. uh, When You Wish Upon a Star from mm-hmm. Pinocchio, which, spoiler alert, I have not included in this playlist, Do Not Kill Me. Okay. I just think that that song has become more than just a main title sequence. It's just oh, more of an okay. anthem of Disney. Fine. And so it's not Fine. really fair to include in this list because okay. it's just, I don't know. That's kind of why I didn't put it in here. Okay. Also, we're supposed to be listening to all of this in order, right? We're not hitting shuffle. I I would recommend listening to it all in order first so that you can hear the growth (laughs) of main (laughs) titles through the course of Disney. And then once you've done it first, then you can shuffle it and, Mm -hmm. you know, go for the wild ride. Okay. Great. So number two on my playlist is the main titles for Peter Pan, the second star to the right. Mm -hmm. And this was from 1953. Again, it's written by Sammy Fain, this time with lyrics by Sammy Kahn. 
also performed by the Judd Conlon Chorus. Hmm. Uh, so this is good friend Sammy, good friend Judd Conlon Chorus, and Oliver Wallace is back with the score for this one. And these folks are really responsible for that classic, iconic Disney sound. We love it. I think this song in particular has that sort of deep, melancholic nostalgia mixed with almost like a lullaby that feels so right for Peter Pan. It's a bedtime story centered around childhood and growing up. This song, Second Star of the Right, is one of my favorites, hands down. It just Mm. pulls at my heartstrings, and it starts with the immediate swell of the orchestra mm-hmm. with that and then that it just gets me it gets me it gets me it gets me but i want to say fun fact the melody of the second star of the right was actually the melody for a song called Beyond the Laughing Sky that Sammy Fain and Bob Hilliard had written for Alice in Wonderland. And it was scrapped for A World of My Own. And when they were revisiting it for Peter Pan, they brought on Sammy Khan to rewrite the lyrics to be more appropriate for the film. So I just think that's so wild that this iconic Disney song that is so related to Peter Pan was almost for an entirely different film. I think that's so fun. That is cool. Ooh, thank you for that. That was a fun one. Yeah, we love recycling. Ah. Be sustainable. (laughs) Number three on my list. Uh, This is where where Connor really comes out. Some of you are probably guessing what it's going to be. But I'm jumping right ahead to 1977. This is the journey from Rescuers. (laughs) Oh, my God. You all know how much I love The Rescuers. You know how much I love these main titles. I put that in my, what was it? The Disney movie marathon about how exquisite these oil painting painting titles are. Um, But the song, The Journey, (laughs) it was written by Carol Connors and Ayn Robbins, who, if you didn't know, these two are married. They're amazing. And I Mm. love the work that they do. This song was performed by Shelby Flint. And interesting to note, this is the first time since Bambi that all of the music in the film is being sung as a narrative over the action of the story, Mm. as opposed to music sung by the characters. So for the main titles, this is obviously the norm, but the other songs by Connors and Robbins, including the big number, Someone's Waiting for You, which they collaborated with Sammy Fain on, they're all sung over the story. So I just, I really love that. But what I love about the music in this main title sequence is it very much feels like a graduation from the classic Disney sound. It's moving, the sound is changing with the times, and starting to venture out from the more jazz-inspired music that we see in these older main titles. This one is lyrical, it's longing, and it's embracing more of the musical theater standard slash pop sound Mm -hmm. that I think would be an essential bridge for Disney to get to the age of Mencken and Phil Collins and even the Lopez's later. Mm Which leads me to number four on my list. I feel like this is kind of redeeming me for getting rid of The Little Mermaid earlier. So I'm including the main title uh, for The Little Mermaid. Nothing will redeem you, okay? Well, whatever. <laughs> uh, the main titles from The Little Mermaid from 1989's film, The Little Mermaid, written by Alan Menken. We have never heard this sound before. Mm. You can tell when you are hearing these main titles begin with the fish 
and the sort of and it's and it just begins. Water reflecting. You can tell that you're about to watch something from Disney that is changing the game Mm -hmm. with these main titles right from the get-go. It sets a brand new expectation, and you can literally hear the Renaissance begin when it reaches the first symbol clash when the mermaids appear. Yeah. I dare you not to get chills when you listen to it. I dare you. I know. This score was nominated for and won the Academy Award for Best Original Score in 1980. Ironically, this was the first time Disney had been nominated for an Academy Award since The Rescuers was nominated for Best Original Song for Someone's Waiting for You back in 1978. So that's 12 years without a nomination. And this score also won the Golden Globe for Best Original Score because it's basically perfect. Mm. So that's everything that I've got to say about (laughs) The Little Mermaid. Go listen to it. It's just... It's so good. It's so. I, it also might be my favorite part of The Little Mermaid in general. These oh, main titles. Wow. Hmm. Number five on my list. Can anyone guess where we're going? Uh, Beauty and the Beast. Yeah, it's exactly where we're going. So <laughs> the prologue for Beauty and the Beast is next from 1991's Beauty and the Beast. Again, written by our Lord and Savior, Alan Menken. <laughs> this score is his best work by far. The chills here, they start from the low rumble of the percussion right before the actual, like, melody begins. Mm. If, again, we're talking about, hey, hi, we're doing something new, the gravitas, the sophistication with which we are starting this film, it firmly plants this film and this score as one of the most worthy contenders among the films of the year. And honestly, I think one of the most important in cinematic history. I said it. Add in David Ogden's narration. Mm -hmm. It's like chef's kiss. This score, starting this movie out this way, says pay the F attention to what we're doing. This film is going to get nominated for an Academy Award for Mm -hmm. Best Picture. It happens with Alan Menken's score. I will gush over this movie until the end of time. It's exquisite from start to finish. It won the effing Golden Globe for Best Picture Musical or Comedy, becoming the first animated feature to ever do that. The score was nominated for both the Golden Globe and Academy Award for Best Original Score. It won both. Surprise, surprise. This, I think, is just like, it's so good. (sighs) Moving on, unfortunately, from Beauty and the Beast, (laughs) our next... Main title sequence. I couldn't not include this because it is so iconic and so important. Circle of Life from The Lion King in 1994. Mm -hmm. I know I have the Circle of Life on my previous playlist from last year because it did not win the Academy Award Uh for Best Original Song. It lost to Can You Feel the Love Tonight from the Mm. same movie, so it basically lost to itself. But Circle of Life, written by Ellen John, with lyrics by Tim Rice, performed by Carmen Twilley and Lebo M., I think this main title is particularly important for us to see how we're furthering the use of the main title music to set us in a place as Disney begins to explore culture with more specificity and overall attention. Mm. The Zulu cry at the beginning, it wakes you up to yet another new entry to the animation art form. Mm. If I didn't include it, I wouldn't be able to sleep at night. I <laughs> That's fair. We. I also like that there, after this year and a half, there's some things that we keep coming back to, and it's interesting to find out yeah. what those things are. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. 
And as someone who, like, Lion King was not my thing. Like, yeah. a lot of other kids our yeah. age, mm-hmm. it was a very essential thing. The amount of respect that I have for Circle of Life, though, as a song. Like, mm-hmm. I remember how it, like, we had one of the collections of Disney music, those sort of, like, mixtape sort of things. Oh, yeah. And yeah. Circle of Life would open it up because, of course, it would open mm-hmm. an entire album. It yes. is such a perfect way of starting something. Mm-hmm. Number seven on my list, The Bells of Notre Dame from Hunchback oh. of Notre Dame in 1996. Huh, written by Alan Menken. <laughs> Here he is. <laughs> with lyrics by Stephen Schwartz. Performed by Paul Kendall. Oh. This particular main title sequence is utterly exquisite. We talk about it more in our episode that we did with And Almost Starring. I, every time I hear Paul's name now, I think about talking about it on And Almost Starring. Skrelting for the Just gods. The belting. Like, <laughs> like, oh my God. Yeah. If you haven't, I know we've mentioned the And Almost Starring episode that we've done multiple times. If you haven't listened to it yet, I will keep bringing it up until you listen to this episode because it's the deep dive that we promised was coming and we do it with two other people and it's amazing. Yes. But... Unlike with Beauty and the Beast, we opt to lay out the entire exposition through a mixture of dialogue and that screlting for the gods from Paul Kandel, <sighs> which makes for really dynamic and one-of-a-kind opening sequences for a Disney film. The melodies of this film are some that I could swear in my bones are straight out of a centuries-old hymnal mm-hmm. and repurposed for yes. this movie. Yes. That's how spot-fucking-on they are. Yeah. The score does so much of the lift for the film, and again, sets that tone from the outset. I think it's very fitting to bring these parallels to the prologue of Beauty and the Beast in here, since a lot of the critics at the time were claiming this to be the biggest masterpiece since Beauty and the Beast. Mm, The level of sophistication here is, in my opinion, unmatched to date. A lot of that comes from Stephen Schwartz's lyrics, which I think match Mencken's score perfectly. Mm -hmm. I think Stephen Schwartz is a very powerful lyricist. And I think Hunchback of Notre Dame is by far his finest work in lyrics. Mm. He uses the word licentious Uh. people. Like, who does that? Uh, This score was nominated for the Academy Award and Golden Globe Award, and it lost because these people didn't know what the fuck they were talking about. I know. Okay. They didn't know. They didn't know. They didn't know. (sighs) Nobody knows when it comes to this movie, and I just, what is wrong with people? I don't know, but I know. We know. We know. We know. They should have known. We knew. (laughs) 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 All right. Well, number eight, The Gospel Truth 1 slash the main titles from Hercules, 1997. Again, written by Alan Menken, this time with lyrics by David Zappel. It's performed by Cheryl Freeman, Lashans, Venice Thompson, Roz Ryan, and Lilith White. This, again, is taking what we've seen before and moving it a step forward. So the framework of the film itself relies on continued narration by the muses, something that the films of the Disney Renaissance were not doing. Instead, they would just let you get lost in the momentum of the story as it unfolds. So this main title sequence 
takes the success of the narrative exposition through song that was done so exquisitely in Hunchback and repurposes it to fit the change in structure that this film relies on. Not to mention the fact that this song is a bop with these women serving us (sighs) a feast in the first song. Uh. We're also seeing Alan Menken start to flex his muscles into more pop-centered contemporary music that Elton John was bringing into with The Lion King. So with this score, he's furthering Disney along as it starts to move out of that more traditional musical theater styling to focus more on contemporary music. So I think this is actually Mm. really important entry in terms of main title music. Mm. This score, not nominated for any Academy Awards (laughs) or Golden Globes. And Uh. Go the Distance did not win Best Original Song, although it was nominated. Number nine on my list, because yes, we are getting close to the end. It's Two Worlds from Tarzan in 1999. So written by Phil Collins with a score by Mark Mancina, performed by Phil Collins. Mm, mm, mm. So Phil Collins and Mark Mancina worked closely in tandem because they wanted the score and the song arrangement to feel, in their words, as one entity. And they fucking did it. This Mm. opening number is what the filmmakers refer to as the anthem of Tarzan. Yeah. This song is the next step again in that evolution of Disney music as the Renaissance period comes to an end and we move into the new millennium. Unlike the previous films of the era, almost all of the music of the film follows that same narrative structure that we see in The Rescuers, but with a similar presence to that of the muses in Hercules. So Phil Collins is our de facto narrator of the story solely through his music, Mm -hmm. while being slightly more present than Shelby Flint is in The Rescuers, Mm -hmm. but less so than that of the muses. It's this really interesting It's such an interesting step that they took with that. Yeah, like who came up with that idea? The producers of the film were very adamant that they wanted something very, very different. They didn't want this to be... Like the other movies of the Renaissance, yeah. they wanted to show mm-hmm. something different. And Phil Collins and Mark Mancina, they were the people to do it. Yeah. So Two Worlds in particular carries that same theme that I'm highlighting here with the main titles that make this list. The sort of coming out and saying, this is new, pay attention. The intense drum solo at the beginning feels like we are listening to a full underscore and we aren't expecting it to turn into a song with actual lyrics. And then... Mm. It does. I think that's a testament to the work that Collins and Mancina are doing together. These are fully and intricately orchestrated songs, and it doesn't get more grand than the opening number. This is music that you would expect to just be score, and then they're singing over top of it. It's wild. It's Mm. so good. Mm. So number 10 on my list is Hemele no Lilo from Lilo and Stitch in 2002. It's written by Mark Kialihi Ho'omalu and Alan Silvestri, the film's composer. And it's performed by Mark Kialihi Ho'omalu and the Kamehameha School Children's Chorus. While not a musical of the Disney Renaissance, I think this movie sets up from the beginning of the film how important music and Hawaii are to the story that we're telling with this song. So not only is it just a beautiful song with Markia Ali Ho'omalu and the Children's Choir serving as pseudo-narrators to the film, less so than Phil Collins with Tarzan or Shelby Flint with The Rescuers, but this song serves its purpose to immerse ourselves in a place that is so vastly different than where we were in space throughout the cold open, 
with a main title sequence completely in the Hawaiian language. I think the use of language and an importance of cultural specificity is something that's really unique about this film and in many ways gets abandoned by its peer films around this time. I think, you know, we're going from space and we're getting plunged into Hawaii. Mm. And to have a main title sequence in a foreign language that many of us do not understand, Mm -hmm. we can appreciate, but we don't necessarily understand. We're landing on Earth in the same way that Stitch is landing on Earth. Oh, yeah. Hmm. It's mirroring his experience through the music, but also allowing us at the same time to land very firmly in a set place. And I also just want to say the Walt Disney Pictures presents appearing over the close-up of the dancer's feet stepping forward. <gasps> I love it's that. It's just oh, so beautiful. I love it's one that. of my it's again one of my favorite moments of the yeah, whole movie. Don't know I why. Agree. It's just like mm. it's just so good. Mm. So here's where I'm an agent of chaos. I know that we were only allowed to have 10 songs on our playlist, but I added an 11th. Yes. Because there is no way that I could leave off any of the songs that are on this playlist. Mm -hmm. And there's no way that I couldn't mention this next one. So number 11 on my list is Welia from Frozen 2013. So it's written by Frodo Fjellheim with a score by Christoph Beck. And it's performed by Kantus, an all-female choir based in Norway. So... Some interesting history about this song because I'm obsessed with this song Mm. and I think it might be one of the, if not the most important entry on my list for many reasons and I'm going to go into why. So Frodo Fjellheim is a Sami musician who wrote the song Iatadamen Welia, which was revealed to be the opening song of the film in September of 2013. Mm. The song contains elements of Yoik, which is a Sami singing style that is closely related to chanting in Native American cultures, as well as some of the shamanistic cultures of Siberia, which seek to mimic the sounds of nature in the song. The origins of Yoik are not documented, and there is no written language in the Sami culture, but oral traditions say that the fairies and elves of the Arctic lands gave the Yoiks to the Sami people. The music is meant to be deeply personal or spiritual, often dedicated to and meant to evoke a particular human, animal, or landscape in the way a painter would paint a mountain. So you don't paint Mm. about a mountain, you paint the mountain. So you don't yoik about a person, you yoik a person. Mm, So it's believed that yoiking is one of the oldest continuous musical traditions in Europe. So all of that being said about this opening song, this is where we see modern Disney films dive into the cultural traditions as a part of the storytelling, picking up on some of those techniques that Lilo and Stitch did so beautifully with that main title sequence, and then marrying it to a composer looking at a score in a very culture-centric way with songwriters that are hearkening back to the musical theater stylings of the Renaissance. So this is where we're blending all of the techniques from the history of the Disney company together in one film. So that being said, this main title song, again, 
we know that something different is happening, not only because it's in a foreign language, but in the very nature of what this musical style is meant to do. It's meant to evoke the essence of the world of the film. Mm. Whalia itself is the name of this type of singing in the Sami culture, but the original song, Yatanem and Whalia, translates to the Earth's Yoik. So it's very clear from just the beginning of the film, Mm. even when we cannot understand what is being sung, that nature is a driving force of this film, which also in turn makes it all the more relevant when we hear the song return in the main titles and then actually Mm. in the narrative of Frozen 2. I would argue that this main title song is one of the most beautiful, unique, and powerful influences of another cultural musical tradition in a Disney film to date. So Mm. I could not leave it from this list. Oh, yeah. Christoph Beck was also very interested in incorporating instrumentation and musical stylings in his score that is traditional to the culture. It sets a very holistic approach to how they're how they are looking at these films, starting with Frozen onward. I think it also sort of plays into the role of the story trust being a new sort of thing that Disney is investing in so that they're spending the time with the cultures that they're meaning to depict, Mm. keeping those lines of communication uh, and transfer open, not just through the film, but beyond the film in its success that we see happen with Moana, that we see happen with Frozen 2, that we're seeing happening with Encanto, I think Frozen is the start of that. And the, I think just the best distillation of that move in the Disney company is with this main title. Mm. And I'm just so sad that it happens so quickly. Yeah. And it doesn't even really happen over an extensive main title sequence. This is happening over the Disney logo, the Walt yeah. Disney Animation Studios logo, and then a couple snowflakes going into the word frozen. And then we're out of it. But honestly, yeah. I could have lived in this moment for a full five minutes and it still wouldn't have been enough for me. Yeah. This song in particular gets to the heart of what Frozen Definitely. is. Yeah. Yeah. And Definitely. is that through line between both films. Hmm. But the moment when the entire tribe starts yoiking to Anna and Elsa in that Mm -hmm. moment in Frozen 2, I wept. Yeah. Because this song that I feel like a lot of people discounted, they were finally saying, no, 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 this is the most important thing here. This is Mm -hmm. the essence of it. Even more than Let It Go, even more than Into the Unknown, Mm. this is the most, this is the secret play. This is the secret gem. Mm. Ah, I love that. Ooh, I love that. So that's my playlist. Have fun making your way through all 11 songs. So interesting. And then shuffle them up so you can hear some of the ways in which they're influencing each other. Yeah, you laid that out so well. I never, yeah, I never realized how much the next was influenced by the one before it. So interesting. Yeah. Well done. It's kind of wild how it starts with Alice in Wonderland and then ending with Whalia could not be more different. Yeah. But the trajectory of how we get there is so clear to me. Funny. Yeah. So that's my playlist. Yeah. Yeah. In our typical fashion, Connors was structured and (laughs) based on the evolution of animation. Um, Mine is based on emotions. So that feels about right. Yeah, as usual. So, you know, it's we're going to have a a, a true fall playlist for you in a little bit. But, you know, I got to thinking fall is coming 
and then winter, cuffing season, you know, the holidays. And I'm like, you know what? Let's put together a little romantic playlist because I also just love romance. <laughs> uh, so <laughs> that's 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 why. So this one, I'm going to give it to you in sort of an order. But again, uh, you could definitely shuffle this. But this might be a nice order to listen to it in. So here we go. So I'm going to open this romance playlist with If I Never Knew You from Pocahontas. (laughs) So this is going to become, this already is the Alan Menken episode. I have so many Alan Menken tunes on this list. You had so many Alan Menken So this is written by Alan Menken with lyrics by Stephen Schwartz. Just, wow, for 1995's Pocahontas. So I am going to vote here for the end titles version sung by John Cicada and Shanice because it's the classic. If you really want your feelings hurt, listen to the cut Mel Gibson and Judy Kuhn version and wonder why the hell they took it out of the film. The reason is because they claimed that children were getting antsy during this song when they were running the test screenings. It was a mistake. Let them get antsy. That's what I say. Kick them out of the theater. It's not for them. <laughs> this isn't for you. The, the number was 90% animated when it was cut from the film and was obviously set for the scene when John Smith is sentenced to death and Pocahontas comes to visit him before the night before. Uh, so in 2005, the 10th anniversary edition of the film fully animated the song and integrated it into the film as an option you could choose. Thank goodness. For some bizarre reason, I became, like, re-obsessed. Like, when I was young, my movie was Pocahontas. Before it was Beating the Beast, it was Pocahontas. And then I became, like, re-obsessed with Pocahontas during my senior year of high school. I don't know why. But I remember going to the Disney store in the mall, buying the anniversary DVD, and watching the, the version with the song included, and I was a mess. I, admittedly, this is a very bittersweet way to start a romantic playlist, I realize. But I'm... Um, for me, like doomed romance, one of my favorites. Um, but also, <laughs> oh my I god, there's no truer statement. <laughs> I know. I love. I love a tragic romance because honestly, Timmy, there's nothing more romantic than someone knowing that they have been changed by you, whether the relationship is going to be forever or not. This one's also a winner because. I think with the right guitar accompaniment, it can still be a straight-up romantic, like, even, like, first dance at a wedding song. It's very versatile. There's a cover on YouTube by his his username is Gabe Bond OC, just him and his guitar singing it. It's unreal. It's so, like, romantic and sad, and you should definitely look it up. These lyrics are so romantic, and they make me want to cry. I was, like, looking. I'm like, oh, yeah, let me write out the best one. They're all the best. They're all one. the best ones. They're it's, all amazing. I, it's I, Stephen it, Schwartz, like, I baby. Do love they're all the best ones. Stephen Schwartz. Listen, Stephen Schwartz has written one of my most romantic songs, literally of all time, as long as you're mine from Wicked. So he can do no wrong for me. Um, but one of my favorite parts of this song is the last lyrics. If I never knew you, I'd have lived my whole life through, empty as the sky, never knowing why, lost forever. If I never knew you. Oh, oh my, my gosh. God. Help me, <laughs> Jesus. Help me. Um, also, you just know it's a good song when even the bizarre Cheetah Girls dance remix <gasps> version 
It works. The one on uh, Mouse House? It was originally on Disney, one of the Disney manias, but it, it works. Also, I wanted to start to play this with this song because I think it's low-key the most deeply romantic Disney song in the game. No other songs reach this depth for me. No, and, and so people also, discount I would, it. They leave it out of everything. They forget yeah, that. They don't yeah, even know yeah, yeah. that it exists many times. Yep, yep. And I would like to just formally request more of this from Disney. The next time we have a romance, I want this level of swoon. We need it. Because the more I thought about this and, and put together this playlist, I was like, oh, I get a lot of my really romantic feels from a lot of musical theater stuff. Not a ton of Disney. So it was really interesting putting this playlist together. So on to my next selection. Obviously, in some sort of way, a whole new world had to be on this playlist. Um, music by Alan Menken, lyrics by Tim Rice. Any version of this song is a good version. I especially adore the Broadway version with Aladdin's intro into the song, telling Jasmine he knows that she must feel trapped inside the walls of the palace. It's incredibly touching to hear Aladdin lead into the song in this warm and very comforting way. I would 100% say yes to getting on the carpet if that's how someone started asking me. I'm just saying. But for this playlist, I am going to choose the end title version of the live-action remake sung by Zayn and Javiah Ward. This version has a sexiness in the <laughs> intro that I love. Oh, God. <laughs> it did it. It's sexy. <laughs> and it feels to me like a fresh update. <laughs> I can't keep a straight face with you. It's sexy. You can't even you can't even disagree. Um, it just feels to me like a fresh update that still feels true to the original. The vocal stylings are hot. Um, and honestly, I think we take this song for granted because it's so iconic. But when you take a minute and really listen, I think it's probably top three Disney love songs ever. When did you last let your heart decide? No one can tell us no or where to go or say we're only dreaming. It's so good. We just don't take a minute. <laughs> Whatever. I love you. So <laughs> so funny. Oh gosh. Oh, I wish you were recording it's visuals brilliant. to this as well. <laughs> it's just the it's just the Italian hand going. <laughs> it's the crabby hand. Yeah. Oh. So next on this list, I'm actually including something else from Aladdin. Alan Menken out here with this score. It's so brilliant. I am choosing the score selection, The Kiss. <gasps> this, so this happens after A Whole New World, obviously, when Aladdin and Jasmine kiss for the first time. There, first of all, there is an innocence to this song that just breaks my heart. But it tells a full story in just over a minute. Even if you have never seen the movie, this perfectly encapsulates the buildup to a first kiss. And it's truly storytelling without words. The buildup and the aftermath of it. Oh, when and then after Aladdin, the kisses. Oh, it's, mm, uh, it's like, it's like an orgasm. Okay. Okay. It yes, it is. Um, it's, <laughs> it is. It sounds like flying. It sounds like having butterflies and being nervous. And then after it happens, the gorgeous violin just takes the whole new world theme and carries us out to the end of the song. And it's very interesting to me. Aladdin is really pulling ahead in this playlist for the romance factor. I don't know if I expected that, but I'll have one more Aladdin selection in a few. Oh, theme. holy hell. Yeah. Really interesting. Before we get back to Aladdin, though. I am including, and I don't care what anybody says, at the beginning from Anastasia. Okay? <gasps> Anastasia is Disney to me now. I don't care what anybody says. Whatever. Written as the first single from 1997's Anastasia by Stephen Flaherty and Lynn Ahrens and performed by Richard Marks and Donna Lewis. 
This song spent a week at number one on the Billboard Adult Contemporary chart when it came out before it got kicked off by My Heart Will Go On. And I say, not bad. And I'm like, yeah, (laughs) yes. This song has an epic build into just like a rocking pop ballad that number one is just very satisfying. And it's like, how could you not get chills looking back on the beginning of a relationship, not knowing at the time what you would become to that person and they would become to you? I think that's magical. Also, my cousins cut their wedding cake to this song, and I think that's a really brilliant choice. Mm. I also think that this song, even though it's used for the credits, I think this has enough weight that it could actually be sung by Anya and Dimitri. You can hear Christy Altamar and Derek Klenick cover this song, and it's amazing. They played Anya and Dimitri on Broadway. Um, And again, in the end, I want to be standing at the beginning with you. Just tattoo it on my forehead. (laughs) (laughs) The amount of time that was spent by me and my sisters, like, jamming to this song, (gasps) that was, like, a good portion of the 90s. Like, the tail end of the 90s (laughs) for us. It's also just, it's such a great addition because, really, yeah, it is, it does have a very adult contemporary feel. And I, I think it's delicious. Next on the list, I am choosing So Close from Enchanted. Oh. Written by... Alan Menken, lyrics by Stephen Schwartz. These two just understand love. With vocals by John McLaughlin, who appears as himself in the film to sing it at the costume ball. This song was nominated for Best Original Song at the 80th Academy Awards. Menken based this song on the song Beauty and the Beast. And honestly, I never really picked up on that, but I love it. I also really enjoy the modern flavor of this. It doesn't feel overly musical theater or overly Disney. And that was done on purpose. Um, As Enchanted moves along, the stylings become more contemporary as Giselle becomes a more modern contemporary woman. This song is arranged and produced by Robbie Buchanan, and he arranged pop versions of songs from Beauty and the Beast, Aladdin, and Pocahontas. So in other words, this is just the dream team of so many of the other Disney covers and remixes and all that that I love. The instrumental break in this song, even though this song itself feels so contemporary, is also quintessential Disney and has a hopeful and romantic flavor to it that just is like someone being spun around a ballroom that prevents the song from just being a complete downer because it's about how people are so close and still so far. I got emo over the song in middle school and the person that I liked like you know didn't like me back. This like I said this song reflects Giselle modernizing and director Kevin Lima requested that the final lyrics of the song be so close and still so far and he was also responsible for the song's title. And I say great move. The film really needed this moment. Also, the opening of the song is amazing. You're in my arms and all the world is gone. Oh, my gosh. Woo, I got chills. Interestingly, there was going to be a song right after this for Queen Nerissa that was cut because of its close proximity to So Close because the team wanted to prevent Enchanted from becoming a full-out musical. And I'm like, but wait. It is. And I actually could have, like, used another song. And so I don't know, like, why they decided to place it in this strange in-between land. But then this song kind of sits in a strange in-between land, too, where, once again, sort of what you were talking about. We have an outside voice singing the song. He's in the room, though, which is very interesting. But he's not a character that we know. And then, yeah, Patrick Dempsey joins in and sings, you know, one line at the end very sweetly. But it's a very interesting concept. 
I think. Yeah. It's very unique. I was going to say, it's very interesting also that this is on your list because this song was so critically controversial. A lot of mm-hmm. people were very split about this song, about whether or not it's actually good or not. <gasps> That's so which, strange to me. Just sort of like baffled. A lot of critics hated this song. They just thought that it I read that, flat. that they were like, it's too slow. Yeah. And I was it's like, It's kind what? of shocking a- because what? I find it, to actually fit with the Disney canon really well. When they use it in World mm-hmm. of Color. Yes, I was just going to say, it, it fits perfectly. I find it to be so perfect. Next, I'm returning now. I'm returning to Aladdin. <laughs> but this time, it's Aladdin and the King of Thieves. And I am choosing the song Out of Thin Air. This film was released direct to video in 1996. This song is written by Mark Waters and Carl Johnson and performed by the ultimate queen herself, Liz Calloway. And Brad Kane, the original singing voice for Aladdin. What a treat. Liz, if you go on YouTube um, and look up Liz Calloway at 54 Below, she tells a great story about auditioning to voice so many Disney princesses and this finally being her moment to be one. So for that reason alone, this really has a special place in my heart. But I think what's cool about this song is we don't often get the chance to hear the afterwords of Disney romances. So hearing Jasmine sing about realizing what Aladdin has given her is so beautiful. And the way that they care for each other in the song makes me feel like this is one fairy tale romance that's actually really going to work out. And honestly, this song, to me, represents kind of the most realistic love. It's a, The song is about reaching compromises, showing someone who they truly are and what you see in them when they can't see it for themselves. Like, Jasmine reassures Aladdin that they have plenty of time. They can postpone their wedding if they need to. That's amazing. Aladdin also shares his insecurities about not having had a father figure. It's such a vulnerable song and vulnerable moment. And like I said, this is the most realistic love song, I think, in the Disney canon. This song opens with Jasmine saying, You showed me the world when I was all locked up inside. One look at your smile and I could see the light shining everywhere. People like you don't come out of thin air. And that that really touches me. Just reflecting back to the person you love, like when they're feeling down about themselves, what you think of them, it's beautiful. And also just like the melody, it's just really, it's one of those gems. It's something that always pops into my mind when it's like, what do people forget that they shouldn't be forgetting? And I think this song is one of those things. That's it for Aladdin for me. Moving <laughs> on. <laughs> Next, I have Unforgettable from Finding Dory, performed by Sia for the end credits of the film. The song was originally written by Irving Gordon and made famous by Nat King Cole. Obviously, in the context of Finding Dory, it's literally about, you know, people who are unforgettable to Dory because they're her family, but it's a romantic song. And these orchestrations in this version sound like water and are extremely romantic and they elevate the song from it's a classic like a standard bond song mm, yeah i get that yes and it, it just it elevates it to something very dreamy and the quiet and calm opening that then expands into something that feels more fairy tale is very lovely it makes me want to waltz around a ballroom and there's a whimsy to this song that i think this playlist in general needs so we don't get too heavy because i know i can do that Um, And I love that this really feels like Disney doing a standard. Love that. My next track is another one called The Kiss. But this one is from The Princess Diaries. (gasps) Oh my God. This song is perfect. (laughs) 
I cried. I cried. Yeah. Do, 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 I can sing this whole fucking song. It's the best so part of the good. whole score. Yep. The whole score is composed by John Debney. Debney not only scored The Passion of the Christ and got an Oscar nomination for it, but has scored Elf, uh, Hocus Pocus. Hocus Pocus. And some amazing Disney Parks moments like Celebrate the Magic for Walt Disney World and the score for Phantom Manor in Disneyland Paris. Too cool. He gets the Disney sound 100%. I love the contrast of this song, which is called The Kiss, with the song of the same title from Aladdin. The solo piano in the opening of this adds to the significance, but also like gentleness Mm. of this moment after Mia's first Mm. kiss went so poorly and was nothing like what she wanted. So there's a very tentative feeling at the beginning of this. There's also, there's like a hint of a possibility of disappointment here. And then it opens, once it happens, again, into pure joy. The strings are incredibly warm. And this this really does, if you listen to it, it will instantly bring you back to the first actually enjoyable kiss that you had with someone that you really like. And in my opinion, this would be a really great option to walk down the aisle to. I think it would be really beautiful. Mm-hmm. <laughs> my God, it's such a good track. Oh, it's so good. I love it so much. It's that so whole good. moment. And then oh, my God. With her foot popping up and those gorgeous ass shoes the lights and, and then the, yeah, all and the, the lights and the on. fountains uh, coming on and mm, it's just like mm. uh, and she deserves it she just she deserves it and then it goes right into miracles happen and everything's fucking great uh, that might be my bonus track um but before we get there you know i tried again like i said before we tend to gravitate back towards some of the same things in the journey of poor unfortunate podcast which has been very interesting I did not allow myself to include anything from Aida on this playlist because my last playlist was extremely Aida heavy. So just there will not be any Aida on this. But I will go back to another one of my favorite things, which is Rogers and Hammerstein Cinderella. Are we doing do you, do I love you or are we doing the sweetest sounds? I'm my money's on the sweetest sounds. Oh, it's neither one. <gasps> it's 10 minutes G- ago. Oh. Yeah. I picked 10 minutes ago. It was extremely difficult. So for those of you who have not listened to the podcast before, this is written by Richard Rogers with lyrics by Oscar Hammerstein II. Again, truly no bad version of this song. Unfortunately, when I put this playlist together for you, like on Apple Music, we do not have the soundtrack from the Brandy version. So I will substitute it with something else. It hasn't been released. Yeah. So I will take this moment once again to say, please, can we come to some sort of agreement so that we can have the soundtrack of this because Brandy and Paolo on this. We'll start a petition. Yes. Oh, oh my gosh. The smokiness of Brandy's voice with the very legit crystal clear Paolo Montalban. Mm, it's there's no comparison. 10 Minutes Ago and Do I Love You Because You're Beautiful are two of the best love songs ever. But 10 Minutes Ago will take this spot because there is nothing like love at first sight from the steps of the palace. And when I hear the instrumental break of this song, I think of everyone dancing in the ballroom and that moment that we all know where all of the women get lifted and fly through the air. And it's just, Mm. it's over for me. I want to live inside the song. But we all know this. I won't spend more, any more time on this podcast talking about how I want to go to the Prince's Ball because I've said enough. And then it the enough. crane shot moving up above the uh, ballroom, out over no, the wall, no, into no, the no, garden no. where it's and just the And they're out there in the garden. No. <laughs> By the swan fountain? Forget it. A swan. Again. <laughs> I think this is another iconic piece we may not think deeply about. I loved that Cinderella and the Prince acknowledge how quickly things are moving, but they're so into it that it doesn't even matter. And also the lyric, I may never come down to earth again. 
Oh my gosh. So for my final real track before we hit the bonus. So we're going to go from one Cinderella into another one. And so my last legit track before my bonus track is from the Cinderella live action remake. And it is the piece of the score that is called Courage and Kindness. So this piece of the score of 2015's live action Cinderella remake was composed by Patrick Doyle, who has composed for some of like the best scores like Sense and Sensibility, Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire, Hamlet and Brave. This score is so stunning and memorable all around. I could sing parts of it to you, especially with the threading of Lavender's Blue throughout the whole score. Plus, it honestly does not get much more lush and romantic than the London Symphony Orchestra who has recorded it. Again, if anyone is looking for music to walk down the aisle to that will make everyone weep, look no further. This piece is just chills on chills on chills for me. It's good people getting what they deserve. It perfectly captures Ella's quiet hope as she is finally reunited with Kit and showing him who she truly is. Magic is real in this song. And this, more than anything, is the sound of everything working out in the end the way that it was supposed to. Put it on and just let it wash over you. It honestly, this is one of the ones on this list that it truly defies description. It's stunning. So that is the end of my full playlist. My bonus track is indeed Miracles Happen from The Princess Diaries. This song is written by Pam Shane and Elliot Kennedy, performed by Mira. It's part of her 2001 self-titled album and is, of course, one of the major tracks from The Princess Diaries. The funny thing is, it's, I love how it's used in the film, which is the miracles happen idea applies to just, like, Mia's journey overall. But if you really listen to the lyrics, it's, it's very much about love and love finding its way. And who doesn't want to twirl to this? Like in a ballroom, in a gown. For ages. I mean, and then start doing the robot God. and then come back to ah. dancing some more. Like, <sighs> And it's all about someone having faith in your love and like knowing it's all going to work out. And I think it's amazing. So we, we need to scream in a ball gown at the end of this playlist. So there's that. And that's my cuffing season romance playlist. Wow. Wow. <sighs> Truly, I, I am... A bit shooketh by some of the entries that you put in there in a, in the best way possible. They're very surprising to me. I think this is going to be a good one in that it really shakes up the mold a little bit. Yeah, because again, like we, we've done a couple of playlists. It's like, what else can we find people? And again, like we were saying, like some of the, you know, so this is love. I, there's nothing wrong with it. But it doesn't give me, it doesn't feel ultra romantic to me. And that's, it's interesting putting this together. I'm like, wait, Disney could actually do better mm. in this category. Yeah. Disney could do better with the romance. We need better. So that is it for our two playlists that we have curated for you on our own. Mm -hmm. But our last playlist for you is one that we have worked on together. And this playlist is for those fall feels into spooky season. So we're going to gradually sort of take you through September, early October, and then dive you right in to the good spooky season. Ooh, yeah. So without further ado, we'll just jump right in. So we're going to start you out into the unknown with this playlist with Into the Unknown from Frozen 2. <laughs> I just feel like there's very there's something very crisp about it. There's something that has to do with the the evening air, the, yeah, the natural elements, the wind, this movie taking yeah. place in an autumn time. Mm -hmm. It just feels very right for this to be a very good place to start your fall season. So 
Into the mm. Unknown from Frozen 2. We're going to start you off with that. Yeah, and then following that, you know, speaking of the elements, we're going to do Colors of the Wind from Pocahontas. Obviously, just for the pure visuals from that song alone of the leaves and nature and just like letting nature influence you. Colors of the Wind, you think of those leaves. There's nothing more fall than that for me. Moving on, we have another song for you. This time it's going to be an instrumental track, and it is coming to you from Soul. This score won the Academy Award this past year for Best Original Score. Mm. And so we've selected the song Just Us, which comes at the very end of the film during the credits. This song is by Atticus Ross and Trent Reznor. It's just so beautiful. It's very ambient. It's electronic, but also has that piano in there. It honestly reminds me of what it feels like to take a walk in beautiful, crisp fall weather. So that's why this is making it on there for you. Mm. We have another instrumental track for you, this time from Coco. So it is the Dia de los Muertos Suite. So we get a little taste of a lot of the different songs from Coco. Uh, which obviously Dia de los Muertos is a fall holiday. But beyond that, the sound of this, again, just feels fall to me. The guitars, the slight moodiness, especially at the beginning of it. And it also feels like a really nice transition into some of the spookier tracks that we have coming your way. Exactly. Even though Dia de los Muertos comes after Halloween, it just sort of feels a little weird to go so spooky, and then come back out of it for a holiday that's really (laughs) celebrating family and loved ones, and it's actually Mm -hmm. a really sentimental holiday. So we're tucking it in there real quick before we start getting into the spooky stuff. So dipping our toes into spooky season, we're going to start you out with the main titles, because that's a theme for Connor, of (laughs) Hocus Pocus. So this is that Mm. music that plays... As, you know, the camera is panning down over the book and the letters have that sort of ripple effect and glow in gold and then open up and then we've got the silhouette of Sarah racing over the water. It's just a great way to just full on enter spooky seasons. That sort of like ooze that happened in the beginning before it just takes off. And that's really how I feel like October is. You have that sort of yeah, spooky it's true. way that you're easing in and then it just takes off and is great. So that's your next mm-hmm. entry. And I feel like that the way that that piece takes off is the perfect lead up into the absolute like boppy chaos that is This is Halloween from The Nightmare Before Christmas. I just when I listen to the song, I mean, <laughs> it's on here for obvious reasons, but I the, what a great song. I just want to scream along to this song when I hear it. I just want to be like, that says Halloween. <laughs> it's so I feel like when we ah. go to Sleepy Hollow, we do scream along to the song in the car. <laughs> do, yeah, maybe that's why. It, it really, oh, it really doesn't get better than this. And honestly, I think my appreciation for The Nightmare Before Christmas is a more recent vintage. Honestly, since like when you moved into the apartment with me, I think that's, Did we watch it that Halloween? I don't know. I feel like that's when I really started to appreciate this film and this soundtrack. And now I can't believe that. that. Was that the first time you watched it when you watched it with me? I had watched it like once before that and I hadn't loved it until I never revisited. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And now the soundtrack is just absolutely everything. It's a great soundtrack. Mm. 
Uh, so after we go fully into Halloween, we're gonna keep things a little bit spooky, a little bit more eerie and sophisticated mm-hmm. with another mm-hmm. instrumental track. And this is coming to you from WandaVision. So this is yeah. Wanda's theme. This is the song that plays over the end credits and also plays when we see her with the Mind Stone and she has the vision mm-hmm. uh, in the Mind Stone when she touches it and mm-hmm. sort of gains even more powers than before. But I just love how eerie this music is, how it has that drive. She's the Scarlet Witch. Like, it just feels like it fits right here. So we included mm-hmm. it because you're welcome. And this is scored <sighs> by Christoph Beck, who we love Christoph Beck. Ah, the best. Honestly, all of the music from this series is such a great addition to a Halloween fall. I'm so grateful for it because we needed yeah. I think we needed something new and fresh in this category. Absolutely. And then next, we've talked about this song many times. Connor and I listen to this every year when we're driving to Sleepy Hollow. Um, this is Once Upon a Dream, covered by Lana Del Rey from the Maleficent movie. It really, it's just, mm, that's what it feels like, this song. Yep. Um, yep. <laughs> it's, <laughs> that's it. Mm, yes. And I just love, you know, something that's like a quintessential romantic song kind of being turned on its head and when you hear these lyrics sung in the style you're like how creepy and strange that someone would say that to you who just met you <laughs> it's scary yeah absolutely yeah something that isn't just like the vibe of monster mash you know what i mean yeah. something like we said before is a little more sophisticated yeah but going from sophistication into a more monster mashy type of song <laughs> We're giving you yet another entry from WandaVision, and that is the Emmy Award-winning song, Agatha (laughs) All Along. Truly, what a gift this song was to us. I mean, it's just perfection. It gives you those, like, Munsters, Adams Family-style vibes. Yes, And then... You've got your your trio of guys singing that sounds very similar to like a barbershop quartet or Grim Grinning Ghosts with Catherine Hahn just giving her powerful belt right over top of it. That nice witchy mm. belt. Yeah, It's just, it's mm. a great song. Yeah, I can just see like, you know, being at a Halloween party, having a little sip of the, the punch and the song playing. I can't explain it. Yeah, I want to have an Agatha all along party where everyone <laughs> dresses up as a different version of Agatha. Oh my God, brilliant. Yes, yes. Okay, going back into the more light and, you know, mysterious. This is this is witchy vibes as well, of course, but it's more like, I don't know why I feel like this, but more Harry Potter vibes almost. This is Sarah's theme from Hocus Pocus. And this is the more just, yeah, like mysterious, like dark forest fairy vibes of Halloween, which is one of my favorite features. Um, and again, it's just a little bit of a mix up of vibe here. And it's just like, yeah, you. this is you like walking down a path in the woods, like in your gown for Halloween. Yeah. And this is the score that plays under the Garden of Magic song, the Come Little Children. Mm-hmm. It's just ah, so ooh, beautiful. Ooh. It's the descending strings mm. that get me in it. The mm-hmm. thing, like, which happens in the film as she's starting to land on her broom. Yes. Like. Yes. It just all works together so perfectly, and I love it so much. Yeah. It's also just standalone, very just beautifully orchestrated. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, John. Thank you, John Debney. Ah, yes. And then moving on from witchy vibes, we're going to go more into the warlocky vibes, the voodoo vibes, with friends on the other mm. side from The Princess and the Frog, because he's got magic, and <laughs> we need that. So 
He's got the magic. He's got the magic. He's spooky. And the are you ready portion of this, like, mm. whew, mm, that gets, yes. you, gets you going. Honestly, the fear factor of the are you ready section is perfect for the next song, too. A Night on Bald Mountain from Fantasia. And again, like, you introduced this into the playlist with the perfect explanation, which, which is that it's just scary. It it's is. It's just scary. <laughs> it's just scary. So I don't know if you want this one at your Halloween party. It's distressing. <laughs> it gives me the creeps. Like that's like this is something chasing you. It's it's <laughs> not so a good. You just gotta make sure uh, that you got some nuns, and they'll chase away the demons. Oh my god! Which, when you think about uh. it, I love the people who point out like. They were just a bunch of ghosts and spookies just having their own sort of, like, sexy naked rave. And then, like, that's all they were doing. They weren't really messing with anyone. They were just having a little little dance party. And then the nuns and the sunshine chase them away. And they're like, damn. You just said naked rave and the thunder clapped above my head just now. I'm so scared. That was Chernabog. He heard. And that was our invitation, no, Caroline. No, no. No. <laughs> I don't want to go. We're to the invited naked rave. to the naked rave. We don't have to participate. We can watch. It's fine. <laughs> uh, but anyway, <laughs> we're gonna close this playlist out with the one, the only grim grinning ghost. That perfect blend between spooky perfect. and fun. It's just iconically Halloween. Mm-hmm. Perfect for a spooky party. And it's coming yeah. to you from the Haunted Mansion attraction in Walt Disney mm, World. Just the best in of Disneyland, the best. Disneyland, California. <sighs> you, you can't get better than Grim Grinning Ghosts. No. Nope. I want to live inside it. So that is our fall to spooky season Disney playlist, our Disney animation main title playlist, and our Disney romance playlist for you. Thank you all very much for hanging in there and sticking with us. We hope that you enjoyed this episode. If you did, please remember to give us a five-star rating, write a review. It's going to help other people find the podcast. They'll see your review. They'll say, hey, I'll give this a shot. And then they'll come in and they'll love the podcast too. So thank you very much for just taking those couple minutes real quick to do that in whatever podcast app you're listening to. And then also make sure to hit follow or subscribe wherever you're listening. So that way you don't miss out on any new episodes. They're all downloaded right to your device and you're up to date on everything. Mm. And please follow us on social media. We are at Poor Unfortunate Podcast on Facebook and Instagram. And we are at Unfortunate Pod on Twitter. And with a lot of these tips and tricks episodes, this will be in the episode description, but we will link all the playlists for you. We'll put it on Apple Music, Spotify, YouTube. So you you can, you know, pop over, especially to the Instagram if you need the links for those. And honestly, speaking of like, you know, just new people finding out about the podcast, um, so wonderful. A lot of people have shared our reel from when we went to Pixar Putt. And that just helps, you know, more people have never heard of the podcast. They watch this reel. They're like, what is this? And we've had some new people join us through that. So it's it's just very helpful. Every like, every share, every comment, it really goes a long way. Also, if you cannot get enough and you want to talk more about the episodes and more about Disney, please join us in the Poor Unfortunate Fam. That is our private Facebook group for our listeners to chat with each other, chat about the episodes with us, share some Disney updates. It's always such a great time. 
And please email us. And obviously, y'all are listening because we've gotten some wonderful, wonderful emails lately. We want to shout out one from Amy who emailed us recently. Yeah, thank you, Amy. Yes, thank you, Amy. It 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 means more to us than we can even explain to hear where our podcast fits in your life and that it brings you joy. That is the reason we are doing this. And it means so much that so many of you have taken the time to just share with us what you enjoy. So please email us anytime our inbox is open. Yeah. Just keeping on that for a quick second, just real shout out to Amy. Amy is a teacher who is really having a hard time of it right now, as I'm sure a lot of teachers are. Mm -hmm. So we just want to say from both of us here at Poor Unfortunate Podcast, thank you to every educator right now who is out there doing your best. You have our deepest love and our deepest affection. This episode's for you. Thank Mm. you for everything that you're doing and hang in there. If there's anything we can do to make it a little bit easier... Just let us know. We're happy to do it. Yeah. And then right before we close things out, I do just want to mention that it does take us some money to keep the podcast up and running and coming to you all. We do have a PayPal account where we're accepting donations to support the podcast. The link to that is in the episode description and is also in our website links on our social media pages. Truly anything that you're able to donate It's so appreciated and just goes right back into the podcast. You can make a donation of 5, 10, 15, 20, or more dollars. You can make it a monthly donation or a one-time donation. I do want to say that right now we are looking to get 10 $5 donations before the end of the year. So if you are someone who has been enjoying this podcast for the past year and a half, please consider giving us a $5 tip just to help us keep the podcast coming to you, keeping it free, keeping it ad-free for the most part whenever we can. We'd really, really appreciate it. So thank you so much for taking the time to think about that. All right, Caroline, that's going to do it for us. Uh, Okay, baby. Thank you all for listening. And uh, until next time, Beluga Beluga Savruga. Savruga.